Hello and welcome to the Lancet Global Health Podcast. My name is Nikolai Humphreys. Today I am joined on the line by Dr. Vital Mogasale from the International Vaccine Institute, Seoul, South Korea, to discuss a paper that presents an overview of the burden of typhoid fever in low and middle income countries. Hello, Vital. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you very much. Vital, could you begin by giving us an introduction to the significance of typhoid fever as a global health issue? Okay. Uh, typhoid fever is caused by a bacteria, Salmonella typhi, and is an important cause of illness and deaths, particularly among children and adolescents in many parts of Asia and Africa. It is generally associated with the poor sanitation, consumption of unsafe water and food, in developed countries, the disease is literally eliminated due to improved water and sanitation condition while it continues to occur in developing countries. For example, 1.6 billion people, mostly in Asia and Africa, do not have access to safe water, which puts them at risk of typhoid fever. Now, I said that typhoid fever is caused by a bacterium. What are the symptoms? First, as suggested by the name, typhoid fever causes fever. It also causes disturbance of bowel functions, headache, malaise, and anorexia. Nearly a quarter of the people develop rashes on the chest, abdomen, and back. Nearly 10% or more can develop serious complications, which may affect multiple systems. The most common complications are gastrointestinal tract bleeding, altered mental status, or delirium, meningitis, encephalomyelitis, cranial or peripheral neuritis. It can also cause hepatitis, myocarditis, pneumonia, and disseminated intravascular coagulation. Intestinal perforation is one of the deadly complications. In fact, a review of last 30 years literature we had published recently showed that 15.4% of the hospitalized typhoid fever cases with intestinal perforation die. The proportion of such deaths is higher in Africa compared to Asia. Thus, typhoid fever is an important health issue and a killer disease in developing countries where water and sanitation is a problem. Now, who doesn't have access to safe water? It is generally poor people. Thus, economic and infrastructure disadvantages puts poor people at risk of typhoid fever. If somebody is concerned about infectious disease problems in developing countries, typhoid fever is one of the diseases that needs a lot of research. Thank you. There have been several other estimates of the global burden of typhoid fever. What prompted you to take the approach that you did? And in your answer, if you could also explain the approach at this point, that would be great. Okay, you are correct. Several researchers have tried to estimate the burden of typhoid fever at the global level in the past. For example, Dr. Crump and colleagues have estimated 21.6 million cases in year 2000, whereas the Dr. Buckle and colleagues have estimated between 13.9 to 26.9 million cases globally for year 2010. Although these estimates provide a broad measure of typhoid burden, approaches that distinguishes the risk differences by population groups within country are necessary. This is because World Health Organization's typhoid 
position paper suggests targeting of high risk population for existing polysaccharide vaccination in recent years several research teams are working to develop a new and improved vaccine a typhoid conjugate vaccine which is likely to be available for the use in future whom should we give this vaccine only high risk population similar to polysaccharide vaccine or whole population in developing countries this is one of the questions to be answered at global level by who and other decision makers for making these policy decisions we need to understand typhoid fever incidence levels at high risk population compared to whole population this incidence differentiation will provide information to evaluate the trade offs in terms of health impact and cost effectiveness of targeted versus universal vaccination strategies for typhoid conjugate vaccine as i said previous disease burden methods did not allow such separate estimates in this paper we improved the methodology so that we could get separate incidence estimates of high risk and rest of the population so in terms of methodology the disease burden from typhoid fever in low and middle income countries was estimated using adjusted incidence rates obtained from population based longitudinal studies to obtain underlying data needed for the analysis we conducted three systematic literature reviews the first systematic literature review identified papers presenting the incidence of blood culture confirmed typhoid fever cases the incidence rates from these studies were corrected by the proportion of fever patients that used study sentinel sites and by the proportion that refused a blood draw they were then adjusted and applied to the total population in the countries in the assigned united nations region to obtain country level incidence because of the low sensitivity of blood culture we again adjusted incidence rate based on the results of a second systematic literature review of the diagnostic sensitivity of blood culture unlike previous disease burden estimates we also adjusted the typhoid incidence based on water related risk by obtaining a risk factor correction from a third systematic literature review the case fatality rate was estimated based on additional literature review and this value was applied to total typhoid fever cases to calculate total number of typhoid deaths finally scenario analysis were performed to explore the effect of blood culture sensitivity correction and case fatality rate estimates in different regions and then compare the disease burden estimate to two previous global burden studies the focus of this work was to provide evidence for informed decisions on investing in typhoid conjugate vaccine in developing countries hence we included only low and middle income countries based on world bank criteria and excluded high income countries and european region from our analysis i'm interested then to know how did risk factor correction affect the estimates compared with the previous approaches 
Yeah, this is the uh, most uh, critical uh, part. And uh, most typhoid fever studies are undertaken in populations believed to be at elevated risk for typhoid fever, often in urban slums that do not have access to safe water. Data from these studies may not applicable to whole population. To account for this, we used a surrogate indicator for safe water, which is called access to improved water. To estimate the increased risk of typhoid fever due to lack of access to safe water, we conducted a systematic literature review, as I mentioned before, to identify typhoid fever case control studies reporting odds ratio for exposure to improved water versus unimproved water. Then two methods were deployed in estimating typhoid fever incidence, risk factor adjusted and risk factor unadjusted. The risk factor adjusted approach categorizes population into high risk and at risk. High risk populations are defined as rural population lacking access to improved water and urban population living in slums. At risk was defined as a rural population having access to improved water and urban population not living in slums. In first approach for high risk population, age group specific incidence rates from longitudinal studies were applied directly. For at risk population, age group specific incidence rates were applied after correcting for the risk factor, that is, lower risk of infection. In the second approach, where risk factor was unadjusted, age-specific incidence rates from longitudinal studies were directly applied to whole population in the country, which is similar to the previous disease burden studies. The estimated number of typhoid fever cases in low- and middle-income countries after adjusting for water-related risk was 11.9 million cases with 129,000 deaths, and we have confidence intervals for these estimates. In comparison, the risk unadjusted burden estimate was far higher at 20.6 million cases and 223,000 deaths. So our data suggests that the global burden of typhoid fever re remains high in low and middle income countries, especially in South Asia. As compared to previous two global burden estimates, both the number of cases and deaths are reduced in our analysis, mainly because of risk factor correction and updated blood culture sensitivity based on the systematic literature review. When we presume the same assumptions as previous disease burden approaches, we found our results are similar to theirs with gross overlapping of the confidence intervals. This demonstrates that our disease burden approach is coherent with the previous estimate except the additional systematic literature-based updates and risk factor adjustment. This also indicates that the global disease burden estimates not accounting for risk factor may overestimate the disease burden compared to the studies that account for risk due to lack of access to improved water. Looking to the future somewhat for my final question, you say your findings could potentially guide vaccine policy. What is the next step in that regard? 
Okay, the, this is burden method deployed here has a clear advantage over the past estimates in evidence-based decision-making, particularly for WHO policy guidance for typhoid conjugate vaccine. As mentioned before, the WHO has recommended targeting only high-risk population with existing polysaccharide vaccine for typhoid control, but has not issued a recommendation for typhoid conjugate vaccine. However, the proportion of the typhoid fever cases occurring in high-risk and at-risk areas was not well-defined in the past. Our study presents first information on differential typhoid fever incidence for high-risk and at-risk population. This will help in estimating population-level impact and cost-effectiveness of targeted vaccination strategies versus, versus vaccination strategies covering whole population. We are working on this now. Such analysis will help in making informed decisions on vaccination strategies for the use of typhoid conjugate vaccine. As we assemble our disease burden estimates at country level and by target population, the data can inform national, regional, or global level decision makers as well. This work was recently reviewed by WHO's immunization and vaccines-related implementation research advisory committee which is one of the steps before considerations for policy. The disease burden estimation is a part of our larger research on typhoid fever where we are working on generating an evidence package that can help in making policy as well as financing decisions on the use of typhoid conjugate vaccine at global level. We use the disease burden in estimating economic burden of typhoid fever, modeling the impact of vaccination in terms of typhoid fever cases and deaths that can be prevented and cost effectiveness of various vaccination strategies. Thus, our analysis in the next steps will provide guidance on the best vaccine strategies for typhoid fever control given the resources that can be invested. Dr. Vital Mogasali, thank you for speaking with The Lancet Global Health. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Vital, fantastic. Thank you.